Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. As Israel entered 2021, there are several variables which will have a major impact on the road ahead for the new year. First and foremost, the prolonged ramifications of the so-called corona crisis in Israel, the crucial necessity to realize a somewhat obscure balance between health and economy. Attempting to realize this necessary balance may prove difficult without a stable government which may or may not emerge from yet another round of elections which are set to be held in March. Separately, Israel's regional and global standing is seemingly faced with a number of significant challenges from Jerusalem's relations with Washington on the one hand, to the Iranian regime in Tehran that overtly calls for and covertly strives for the destruction of the Jewish state. To break it all down, we are joined from central Israel by Dr. Eran Lerman, who is the vice president of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security and a lecturer at the Shalem College in Jerusalem, as well as the co-host of TV7's Middle East Review. Thank you for joining us. Good to be here again. Pleasure. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Ambassador Daniel Yalon, who is Israel's former Deputy Foreign Minister and Ambassador to the United States, as well as the second co-host of TV7's Middle East Review. Thank you for joining us as well. My pleasure. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst, Mr. Amir Oren. Mr. Oren, 2020 was quite a year, uh, will be a remembered or at least hopefully not remembered in such a bad light as it actually was uh, for the future in the history books. But uh, nonetheless, 2021 doesn't spell less challenges ahead since we're still dealing with the ramifications of this uh, corona crisis. And of course, there are plenty of challenges throughout the Middle East and the world with uh, direct and indirect implications for the Jewish state. Give us a little bit of a uh, understanding and somewhat of a projection, where should we look to in 2021? If we could only predict in retrospect, uh, we would have all been right on the money, but none of us predicted on um, June 1st or even in early June uh, 2020 that uh, a year later we will still be dealing with COVID-19. So one has to hedge one's uh, bets. But let's uh, sum up the first question as to be healthy or to be wealthy? That is the question. What is more important for a country like Israel? Uh, the economy or the health of its uh, population? And uh, we are facing this uh, uh, dilemma uh, daily. And we see it um, in the cabinet uh, trying to decide whether to open schools, um, open commerce, or uh, lock down everything and hope that within two weeks uh, it will die down, if one may use this uh, term here, and uh, the uh, vaccination effort in which uh, Israel excels uh, takes uh, charge. So this is still the main issue uh, on the agenda for Israelis. And this also hovers over the election campaign because on March uh, 23rd, Israelis are going to elect a new Knesset. That is a given. 
What is not um, uh, so certain is that this Knesset will then uh, appoint or anoint a government. Um, and therefore, we have to see whether the Biden administration, which will take shape um, in the weeks ahead, uh, does it wait for Israel? Um, is Israel or the Middle East in general high on its agenda, or um, is it going to concentrate on China, on uh, uh, the allies, on NATO, or uh, on Iran? So um, a lot of waiting and seeing. Ambassador Ayalon, to what degree is Israel looking towards Washington, considering the fact that this transition of uh, power is uh, somewhat from an administration that has openly supported Israel on levels that are unprecedented. At the same time, the new administration uh, is expected to have its own agenda for the Middle East or its own outlook towards the Middle East and may not or may not necessarily um, really coincide with Israel's presiding uh, government, or at least interim government, uh, if uh, we'll be able to get out of this political limbo right now in Jerusalem. Uh, where are we standing? What's happening there? Yeah, well, Jonathan, there is no uh, secret that the Trump administration was uh, the closest ever of American administration to the Israeli government. And to, to the extent that uh, the policies were was coordinated, you know, uh, to the T. And uh, so there is a concern uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, for sure, things will change. Uh, no administration will be like uh, the Trump's. Now, Biden himself is considered a very old and uh, strong, staunch friend of, of Israel. But if we look at the team, if we look, there are many unknowns. Uh, Kamala Harris, uh, the vice president, uh, of course, um, has never had a chance to uh, really express or, or show any uh, policies uh, towards uh, Israel. Um, the same is to many of the other uh, administration um, officials. And before even that, the question here is whether there will be any attention given to the Middle East. Uh, I still believe that just like here in Israel, the corona will continue to loom large, will be the attention grabber for leaders. So whether they will have time still to deal with other issues um, remains open, except, of course, uh, of um, emergencies. I would uh, suspect that um, in absence of any emergency, that is, uh, Iran breaking into uh, the bomb, uh, continuing, you know, um, enriching um, high-level uh, 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 uraniums, um, war with the Hezbollah or with the Hamas, or maybe even uh, something which I don't think will happen, a third intifada. Absence of this, I don't think that we will see any attention from uh, the administration uh, at, uh, at, at this uh, state. Also, if you add the uh, Israeli elections here in March, which uh, we have to understand, Jonathan, elections on March 23rd, that means that the earliest we may have a government is June or July. Uh, so until then, no American administration would like to test the waters and try to, uh, I would say, paint any grand strategy. 
Dr. Lehrman, your position on this? Well, I think that amidst the political turmoil um, in both the United States, where, of course, uh, we may still face very complicated transitions, tensions within the Democratic Party, tensions uh, between the parties, tensions within the White House and, uh, and elements in Congress. And in Israel, we are looking at a very long, unsettled period, as you've already heard, uh, way into uh, 2021. Amidst all this, the, uh, one of the important things is to sustain uh, the dialogue between the um, professionals, or if you wish, uh, the deep state, uh, some, uh, some people call it. Uh, for example, the um, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was uh, in Israel in December. You can say he was the first senior Biden official to visit here because uh, unlike the uh, diplomats and the uh, um, uh, departmental heads, uh, the soldiers will sustain pers their perspective into the next administration. The U.S. faces major challenges in this region and has reacted very formidably uh, to uh, Iranian threats or the potential of uh, Iranian attacks. And I think that in the incoming administration will first of all want to establish that they are not soft uh, in terms of protecting key American interests, key American allies, and key American um, principles, such as non the non-proliferation of strategic weapons. And uh, I, th I, I would expect that while there will be very dramatic differences in style, there will be some elements of continuity in substance, particularly on the issues that the defense establishment, the intelligence community, uh, looks upon uh, very seriously. Uh, Trump was tended to be dismissive of the intelligence community from time to time. In his relations with, his, with the soldiers were, um, let's say, um, uneven. Uh, I think that in the incoming administration uh, is appointing a man to as, as, as Secretary of Defense, assuming he will uh, go through a, a confirmation in Congress successfully, um, that uh, knows the region very well, understands its uh, dynamics, understands its issues, and will be supported by a, a military establishment and an intelligence establishment who share many of the perspectives that Israel has. Moreover, I think you have an element of continuity now uh, in Europe, because you now have leaders uh, in Europe who have a much uh, better grasp of the challenges ahead uh, than they, um, they had, uh, or Europeans generally had, uh, a couple of years ago. So I am uh, cautiously optimistic that a newly uh, multilateralist transatlantic administration in Washington will find partners in Europe uh, for a policy that would protect the stability and long-term uh, uh, prospects of the, our region as well. Indeed. Uh, Mr. Oren, it's no secret and the capitals of Europe have indicated their eyes are directed towards Washington with all uh, that pertains to uh, the formation of uh, uh, the, the uh, anticipated Biden administration. But to what degree 
does the Middle East, and Israel in particular, look at this and uh, build hopes on it to a certain degree? Also considering the fact that at this stage, uh, we see Iran is becoming bolder and bolder. Uh, it announced uh, earlier this week that it is uh, raising its enriched uranium uh, levels to 20%. Uh, it has seized a South Korean oil vessel and all of this, of course, uh, during uh, the so-called anniversary of uh, the assassination of Major General Qasem Soleimani, who was the commander of its Quds Force or the, the Foreign Legion of the Islamic Revolutionary Guards, uh, which uh, wreaked uh, a lot of havoc uh, for so many years. Is this a signal to the Trump administration on the one hand and on the other hand starting to negotiate on the ground? with a future Biden administration? Well, Iran Lerman just mentioned, uh, not by name, but by position, uh, retired General Lloyd Austin, uh, who was nominated uh, as Secretary of Defense. And uh, he said quite correctly that he knows the region. And the region knows him, and the region knows the uh, key people in the Biden administration, which is perhaps um, no less important. Since he commanded Central Command, he which comm is yes, he commanded the entire Central Middle East. Indeed. And um, the uh, Secretary of State-designate uh, Anthony Blinken uh, was the Deputy Secretary of State and Deputy National Security Advisor during the Obama administration. Jake Sullivan, the, uh, who is going to be the National Security Advisor because he doesn't need confirmation. It's not a, a confirmable uh, position. Uh, served in the Obama-Biden administration. And uh, perhaps most importantly, there has never been a person such as Joe Biden who has been for the last uh, 47 years involved in uh, congressional and executive uh, branch uh, dealings uh, with foreign affairs, except for the last four years when he was uh, out of power. If you look at the post-World War II generation, where you had newly elected uh, congressmen, such as uh, John Kennedy and Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford, they all came in in 1946, and the, uh, they stayed no later than the mid-70s, uh, so 30 years mostly. And here we have Joe Biden, who was the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, who was the vice president and knows the issues very well, and the leaders of Europe and of the region know him very well, which uh, probably means that they would first like to see him in a NATO um, summit. Uh, he will probably call on President Rouhani or, uh, to meet him or for Foreign Minister Zarif to meet with uh, Tony Blinken. We are going to see several summit meetings and the Israelis will have to decide how they want their input into the uh, restarted negotiations on a nuclear, and perhaps not only nuclear, perhaps also a ballistic and a proxy deal with Iran. Ambassador Ayalon, we hear on the one hand uh, cautious optimism. On the other hand, we hear many of the members of a future Biden administration to be part of the previous administration under the Democratic Party, uh, the Obama administration. But Following the Obama administration or during the Obama administration, many of the actions, putting aside, of course, all the domestic issues which are not relevant for us here right now in the Middle East, talking specifically about the Middle East, the Obama administration, 
pulled out, it uh, conducted a policy that uh, ultimately, and uh, as a consequence of it, a, a concrete vacuum emerged, which allowed Russia to embolden in the region. It allowed uh, Turkey to uh, expand its uh, various uh, endeavors in the region. It allowed Iran to uh, ex exploit the situation and emboldened it uh, significantly, I may add, in other regions. Are we expected to see somewhat of a continuity from an Obama administration? Or are we now heading toward uh, a new reality in which, uh, of course, the facts of the ground are going to dictate uh, uh, many of the decision-making that is going to take place? Are we going to see somewhat of a shift? Uh, the, the short answer is yes. I think we will see a shift. Uh, not in the least, because every president likes to be his own man. And especially when he was a vice president, he would like to... Uh, um, create and carve his own uh, legacy. We saw it with, uh, I guess, most notably with uh, uh, with Bush Sr., who was vice president of Reagan, and he came after him uh, with a, a bit uh, more, I would say, uh, real politics and, um, and, and less ideology uh, of, of a policy. But I think given the objective situation, as we mentioned, uh, elections in Israel in March, uh, which again may not be resolved until later this year. We have to remember and add to that elections in Iran. So uh, Rouhani may be or may not be um, in office by by the end of uh, of this year. Um, and uh, again, all the other issues that uh, the United States faces, not just internally, but uh, of course, uh, in terms of uh, foreign policy, I think what this administration will try to do is first and foremost, test, uh, you know, uh, the waters. Uh, so they will continue, I believe, with an even keel in a management mode. Uh, that means only what needs attention in a big way, they will attend. Otherwise, I think they will wait and see and we may see uh, a real policies um, designed and maybe even affected only in 20, uh, 2022. Dr. Leoman, I want uh, to hear from you a, a European perspective to this. Of course, during the uh, Trump administration, which was somewhat uh, similar to the Obama administration and leading from behind to a certain degree and then uh, not leading at all by pulling out from the region uh, or at least reshuffling its deployment in the region. To what degree do you see the Europeans still maintaining, uh, especially for France uh, in particular, but other countries uh, as well, uh, their proactive aspiration of filling the void to a certain degree in, in uh, Lebanon, in Syria, in uh, Iraq for that matter. Uh, do you see a certain uh, shift now with the Biden administration where you'll see suddenly the European powers trying to pull back once again and allowing to take uh, the United States center stage by steering uh, uh, the so-called free world in, in mitigating regional adversaries? That's a very interesting question, because first of all, we don't know to what an extent we're going to have European cohesion. The British are out. The Germans will go through their own transition soon. Uh, the burdens of uh, the corona um, uh, implications on the economies of Europe are immense. Uh, and so we don't know to what an extent Europeans will be able to turn their attention elsewhere in 2021. Having said that, I would uh, focus um, 
not, not only because I tend to be uh, an optimist on that count, I tend to look at um, uh, President Macron as potentially the more, the more influential uh, among European leaders in terms of the dialogue an early, in an early stage uh, with the Biden administration. Tony Blinken, after all, is uh, almost French, grew up in France, and, uh, and, uh, that's, and, and was raised by uh, a prominent French Jewish person, uh, his, his mother's second husband, Shmuel Pizar, a man who wrote about his Holocaust experiences. Um, the bridge to Europe could be very, first of all, a, a symbol of a positive difference. Uh, for the uh, Biden administration, because Trump really uh, alienated, almost deliberately alienated um, the most Europeans, except maybe Viktor Orban and the in the uh, right-wing uh, governments, uh, patriotic right-wing governments of Central and Eastern Europe. So Biden will throw bridges uh, to the new, uh, to the old traditional allies. Uh, what uh, Rumsfeld once called the old Europe. But the old Europe is not that old nowadays. Uh, Macron, for example, has taken a very firm position on uh, Islamism, not Islam as a religion, but the political perversion called Islamism, which is a danger, first of all, to Muslims, but also to Europeans. He's taken a very firm position against Turkish uh, provocations in the Eastern Mediterranean, struck an alliance which includes not only Greece and Cyprus, but also Egypt, Israel, and the United Arab Emirates. <clears throat> now, this alliance is important for the future of Europe, because we are talking about the Mediterranean, the southern gates of Europe, but it also means that um, there is now a, an alignment of forces that also looks at Iran as a threat. Turkey is a problem and Iran is a threat. Um, the Iranian, uh, the commander of the uh, IRGC has just recently visited the occupied territories, uh, uh, the three islands, um, which are UAE territories under Iranian occupation in a provocative act reminding us all that Iran is in conflict uh, with the Gulf states. Um, the key European players have always been quite close to the Gulf states. Uh, interestingly, Germany was among the country, first countries to celebrate the Abrahamic agreements by inviting the foreign ministers of uh, the UAE and Israel to a symbolic meeting in Berlin. All of this may actually point to a meeting of minds between the key European players uh, um, the key regional players, Israel, Egypt, the United Arab Emirates, and ultimately, of course, Saudi Arabia, on the Turkish question and on the Iranian question. If that should happen, I think the, the Biden administration would find it much more comfortable to manage this as a transatlantic proposition rather than uh, as a, in, in terms of unilateral policy, as has been the case with the Trump administration. Mr. Oren, there are a few uh, more topics that we should discuss. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time for that. But uh, let's uh, keep our focus on the major powers because ultimately they impact the regional powers and uh, there are consequences to it. Uh, let's talk right now also about Russia. Syria is still a bone uh, of contention with 
Turkey uh, very much keen on securing its southern border with Syria. Nevertheless, uh, fighting seems to be uh, reignited in certain areas, uh, uh, predominantly against uh, uh, the Kurdish militias uh, situated there. And then, on the other hand, Assad's regime, uh, which is under the patronage of both Moscow and Tehran, is very keen on regaining its lost territories from Turkey, from uh, the uh, Kurdish uh, uh, territories, and also from uh, uh, other uh, actors in the region. How do you see all of this uh, emerge on the Russian front? Well, the Russians also have their priorities. And uh, these issues, um, which you just uh, ticked off, uh, are very important, but not all important. For them, the Ukraine, Crimea, um, a crisis which started when Obama and Biden and John Kerry were in office, and which is one cause uh, for the hostility that the Putin uh, regime um, displayed uh, towards the uh, Obama-Biden uh, administration, uh, even uh, though uh, Hillary Clinton was no longer there, she was considered um, uh, quite an adversary for them. So it all means that we have to go back to Joseph R. Biden, because he is going to uh, retake the mantle of the leader of the free world. Um, Trump had his... Uh, Presumably. Yes, of course. We don't know yet. No, he, he will, because he may be a one-term president. Mm. He will turn 82 when he ends this term, which may be his only term. And he won't have a lot of time to leave his mark on um, world affairs. So it will emanate from him. Putin will have to respond uh, to him. Uh, the Chinese will. Of course, regional powers uh, will. And we have to see uh, when he sets out his national security and foreign affairs agenda, we'll have to see how high on the ladder we are. There are, of course, uh, the aspect also of Russia and Turkey, which uh, there is somewhat of a fallout on the diplomatic level. Uh, there is also a fallout between uh, Turkey and Iran. Uh, of course, uh, Turkey uh, operating in the southern Caucasus has uh, brought this uh, uh, issue uh, into fruition uh, because the Iranians looked at it uh, in a bad uh, manner, bordering Azerbaijan, of course. And then uh, from the north, Russia looked at it also uh, very angrily and acted uh, against Turkey on that uh, front. And then this, of course, brought about uh, a rapprochement or the strengthening of bilateral role relations between Ankara and Kiev, which uh, may uh, uh, still prove to be very interesting. And which, perhaps even Israel. And perhaps even Israel. But of course, this also uh, bolstered relations between Russia and Egypt, suddenly Turkey's regional Rivals, So uh, a very interesting uh, year up ahead, but unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Lehrman, Ambassador Ayalon. Thank you so very much. And we're looking forward to your first episode together of TV7's Middle East Review, which will air at the end of this month. So uh, up until then, uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you. And uh, thank you so very much, Amir. And we're looking forward to a fruitful year of TV7 here with uh, Jerusalem Studio as well. Thank you so very much to our viewers as well. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.